second ever episode of the Inappropriate Earl cast. The first episode went off without a hitch. Except you didn't really record it. Well, it was recorded in uh, mono sound, let's just say. But today, I am humbled and honored as my second guest ever on the Inappropriate Earl cast. This guy is an institution in the L.A. comedy scene. The one and only from Walnut Creek, California, via the Carolinas. No. Mr. Jeff Richards. Thank you. Now, did you ever think when you were on Saturday Night Live that you would end up on my couch doing this podcast? Yeah, I've slept on this couch. I probably did think so. (laughs) This couch, it's as if there are bones in it. Dog bones. Any kind of bones. I I don't think you could differentiate the bones, but I mean, there's bones in it. Like it was made with bones. (laughs) It's the most uncomfortable couch I've ever slept on in my life. Well, this isn't the Arsenio Hall show. We're on a budget here. We're on a slight budget. You yeah. know, my dogs, uh, various dogs from my past have uh, hid their bonies in there. So. Now, you're making a joke. But no. I'm talking about a couch. I know, but I'm telling you, the dogs... Oh, like, so there really is bones in the couch. Yeah, they're dog bones. Biscuits. Oh. I thought you were kidding. No, no, dude. I don't kid around on this podcast. This is unlike any other podcast on the planet. I actually bring funny people into the realm of my household. Mm -hmm. I'm a bit of a recluse. You are. You know, no one, uh, very few people come into my uh, domicile. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm honored to be the second guest. And when you told me early on, you said, I'd like you to be the second guest. I said, wow, who is the first guest? And you go, I don't know yet. Well, you what know, was that? You just knew. You just knew I wasn't the first guest. Yeah, yeah. I wanted anybody else. Well, you know, the first ten people said no, and then I thought, well, Jeff should be in the loop. <laughs> I mean, you have given yeah. me everything I've achieved in the world of uh, the entertainment business. You owe your entire career, which some would argue you don't have one. You you owe the whole thing to me. I do. You got me my uh, commercial agent, the, the great Rain Agency, and right. uh, you uh, got me uh, integrated into the world of Rob Schneider. That's right. Uh, via the comedy store, the one night we met. Yeah. Do you remember the night we met? Sure. Sure, of course. In the hallway. No, was it in the hallway or was it outside? It was outside in the patio. In the patio. In the patio hallway. You had a hockey jersey on, which you don't wear anymore. You've changed your look. I changed, you know, going for a new thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you kind of, I remember you staring at me going, what's your deal? Is that what I said? Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, I'm a comic. And uh, you're like, well, you got a great look. You should uh, meet my commercial agent. This or, is what I usually say to girls. Right. But, I mean, some weeks I think if it was raining uh, vagina, you'd get hit in the head with a dick. So I was yeah. p- probably your best option. Sure. I agree with that. Well, I looked at you and I said, wow, this I'd like to seduce this guy into a friendship. And we become good friends. I mean, that's debatable. Well, anything's possible. I agree with that on some level. Except at the comedy store. There's, well, you got to take that place for what it is. What is it's it? It's a dive bar. But I mean, it's a nice dive bar. I'd like It's a to- nice dive bar, but it's still a dive bar. But see, you're in there. I'm not. I'm not in there. What are you talking about? I don't get spots. But that's because you don't call in. No, I've call- I called in for a long time. Barely got anything. And what does Tommy tell you? 
Tommy is the talent coordinator. Great to see you, Jeff. You look great. <laughs> Stuff like that, you know. And what do you tell him? I don't say anything. Now, Tommy is the talent coordinator for you uh, out-of-state listeners. That's right. And so you're in at the comedy store. You're in at the Laugh Factory. I'm not in at the comedy store. I am in the Laugh Factory. You're there tonight, right? No. Last night, I'm there uh, tomorrow. You get the improv uh, a fair amount. Get some of the improv, but, you know, there's not a lot to get out of the improv. But with someone like you who has TV credits, it's easier. I mean, I think it's helped me is I, I knew the talent coordinator before he even ever moved to L.A., you know, just randomly. He was a friend of another friend, so I knew him before. But, you know, it's like it's like the whole thing. You know, you hang out, you get to know people. They like you. They put you up, you know. I mean, you know how much how much of it is really talent. It's it's really just very little who likes you. I mean, very little of it. I would say, honestly, it's uh, maybe 20% talent. It's probably 20% talent. And 80% who you know, networking. Sure. The schmooze. The schmooze. And you're a good schmoozer. I don't know about that. Sometimes. But you're a very likable guy. I mean, I've never heard anyone say a bad word about you. Well, I just think, you know, if you're if you're a good person, good things happen. And if you come from a good place, an honest place, you know, people pick up on that. And, you know, there are guys that, push and push and push and get things too but i don't know i think it's just how you i don't know and it's who you you know i mean i don't know it takes time too maybe that's the thing you've been out here for a little while i mean i've been doing comedy for 13 years but i didn't put two and two together uh in terms of uh, schmoozing yeah but you're not you're not really like a you kind of just stand there and if if you get to know you get to know people slowly yeah, people get to know you, and I think I think people get to know you on stage. Yeah, see, yeah, really, you come alive when you're on stage, and you you're you're most of yourself when you're on stage. Well, because I actually don't do comedy for the money or the fame. I I, I just like doing it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and my uh, stand up act is just really me. Yeah, kind of like you. You're a fun loving guy on stage, and you're fun lo- fun loving guy off stage. I mean, I know you've got like. You know your impressions, and 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 which you are the best impressionist I've ever seen. Thank you. I'm not going to ask you to do any, but sure, I'll do a few. I mean, well, we'll do that later. I'm no, just, I don't want to do them now. I, I'm not going to ask you to do I'll, them. Then now. I'll do them. But in uh, whatever you don't want, I'll do. Well, I mean, all right, just to give the audience a taste. Can a we little, just do it later? Yeah, but just give them a taste. Just give them a, a sentence out of Louis Anderson's mouth. Cutting there you go. Let's so say you, you see the, you know. That's your bridge version. Right. That's what they call a tasty, a trailer. It's, it's a it's a traily. Right, right. Now, there'll be more to come later, you know. And, uh, you know, you do many others other than Louis Anderson, Dr. Phil, Gary Busey. Um, Trying to work on Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, that's a kind of a. It's like a telescope, right? I mean, it's like. I mean, for as long as we do what you want to do, it's like spiritual. I mean, it's it's cosmic. I mean, you know, you could ask for what you want, and you can do what you want, and at some point, you have to let go. That's pretty good, man. You could, it's not, but do one of me. Do do an impression of me. No. It's not just that. Well, that would be Tommy. That's you doing Tommy. Oh, okay. See, that's how good at impressions that's you are. That's how good at your impressions you are. Mm. You... <laughs> You just did an impression of me doing an impression That's right. of somebody else. But I think with impressions, it's really not about how accurate they are. It's just about how much you make fun of the other person and how like 
you know, how, you know, how, what your angle is on it, where you're coming from. Right, right. See, my impressions sound just like me. I'm not a very good impressionist. Let's see, you hear one of your impressions. All right, uh, who do you want to hear me impersonate? Why don't you do um, Dolph Lundgren? Well, he doesn't really have a lot of lines in his What movies. about, uh, how about Schwarzenegger? Um, how about Joe Rogan? I, I don't really know what he talks about. I mean, I know his UFC stuff. Let's hear some of that. All right, this is Joe Rogan doing, uh, there's a big card tomorrow night, UFC 168 in Vegas. It's it's the rematch of uh, Anderson Silva and Chris Weidman, and uh, got the girl fight, uh, Ronda Rousey and uh, Misha Tate. So I'll do, uh, let's just say uh, Rousey's going to put Tate in an armbar. And uh, Rousey's got Tate in an armbar. That was my Joe Rogan So impression. you set that whole thing up for, for a sentence. Yeah, yeah, but you asked. I mean, I was. So giving, you're all set up. Yeah, yeah. No punch. It's okay. Everybody's got a different style. Well, my style. I, I'm like Bruce Lee uh, when they asked him about his style in Enter the Dragon. He's like, my style is the art of fighting without fighting. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was my Bruce Lee impression. It was fantastic. And a quick shout out to Ari Manis, who is uh, the producer of this show. Uh, he's uh, the one responsible for the sound being uh, the quality that it is because uh, I obviously couldn't do it on my own. Now, why wasn't he here the first one? Um, he, ha he has to work on Saturday uh, afternoons, and that was the only time Galern and Jason Washington could do it. Uh -huh. And uh, it was a great podcast, but uh, you know, I probably messed up a little bit on the uh, execution. You're working the kinks out. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, having a podcast in uh, 2014 is like... Uh, being in an 80s metal band in 1994 you know it's it's a little late in the game but i'm I'm doing my best just little baby steps just trying to make it's it just something to do it's like you know exercise you're walking around the block well i think it's a good way to uh, increase your fan base you know you could literally reach the world and uh you know until i get uh, more established in the world of stand-up it's a good way to get the name out there sure i'm having trouble getting established <laughs> fake it till i make it well you have trouble with the establishment well, I've done all I can at most of the clubs, you know, so now until you... Uh... But it is it is so much, too. I mean, you talk about who you know and all that kind of stuff, but it really is the business, isn't it? I mean, you, you, you know, how do you get spots? Well, you start a show. Right. How do you get an album? Well, you make an album, and then you release it on your own. I mean, I did release an album on my own, and the sound... But then it's not just that. <laughs> well, what it's is it? It's sort of like also, right? I mean, you know this. So you, you watch a guy, and their album comes out, and they go, well, how'd you get... How did it sell that many albums? But they know how to network. They don't know how to promote it. You know, they know how to, uh, you know, get into magazines and I don't know all the different things you you know, yeah, yeah, that we're know. learning and stuff like that. I mean, I started out with Whitney at the uh, Sportsman's Lodge, which was an outdoor patio gig, and uh -huh. you know she became the probably the most powerful uh, player in the business. And I'm uh, I'm doing a podcast. Yeah, but are you happy with your life? Yeah, I like my life. Well, then that's it. Are you happy with yours? Sure. I mean, you've achieved the level of success very few people do in this business. Yeah, but then I was humbled, and then, you know, then I'm building back up, and now I'm, I feel like I'm in a good place right now, and, you know. I mean, you are, and I know this was part of my intro for three years when we hit the road with Deuce Bigelow, and it's a, quite a big deal. The only person to be a cast member of a cast member of both men. That's what you would screw the intro up every time. Of Mad TV and Saturday. You only Night cast Live. member to be a cast member. 
Well, it's true. Well, that's not true. Cast members are cast. Every cast member is a cast member. But not of both shows. That's right. But, you know, now there's another guy. There's a guy on... Uh, I think uh, T- Teron Killiam, or he was the only other person to yeah, uh, do yeah. that. I don't know who he is. Maybe I could get him as the third guest. He's on guest. there now. Well, you maybe get him on right now, and I'll just leave. Well, we can't do that. All right. We're in the middle of a shoot. And I'm going to get phone calls. Uh, not today, because it's not part of the uh, technology, but we're going to have the ability to take live phone calls. Really? Well, yeah. I'm trying to be different than most podcasts. Set, you're just trying to set yourself apart. Well, yeah, I mean, most podcasts are horrible, I find. You know, just stock answers, stock questions, which was why I was allured into getting the porn star Jason Washington on, because I thought, wow, no one's ever heard a porn star talk about I it. love Jason Washington. My memories of him at, from the store a while ago, he, he noticed he was like a guy that he would chew gum and then drink red wine at the same time. And I thought, wow, that's just a, a, fun, a fun look, a fun way to be. And you know what I mean? Like, because, you know, you're, you're, he's probably got all the flavor out of the gum. So it's just a process of, of chewing and then having a sip of red wine every now and then. I thought that was fantastic. Well, it must have made his teeth look uh, interesting in shades of uh, different colors. Sure. Marbled. Yeah. I mean, red, a little red. A little... Right. Now, what are you? You're into the music scene now. I mean, you, you obviously you do stand up, but you, you've really gotten in because your uh, first album, Ass Wax for Hunger. I I love the song. Uh, What's the guy got to do to get his ass eaten? Out around here. I, I mean, that with the video was great. Thanks, Vicky Barbalak. Sure. Uh, Bobby Lee, Brody Stevens, Stefan Arborl, the great Yoshi Obayashi. Sure. Uh, Nick Pilato is a drummer of Slayer now. Oh, really? Yeah. What part was he? In he the was video? just in when you know when they had the guys. Tom Dash, Mr. Joe Nash, you know, that, and right. they would all stand there. He was a very, very quick thing. But, but I mean, that, that was a great uh, single and uh, the album. That was cool. And uh, and I got the greatest hits, what's called uh, Jeff Richards' The Shingles. That's coming out. Yeah, that comes out in the spring. Now, like what we were just talking about, you're releasing it on your own. That's right. On your website. On no the website, one dollar. For the whole album. The whole thing. Ten songs. You know. Um, you don't think that's too cheap? You know, I don't know. It's like, um, I don't think so because it's. I look at it the same thing as like, you know, volume sort of. And also, people can listen to anything they want to for free. Uh, just go on YouTube, listen to a whole album for free. It's up there. Anybody. So... You know, I feel like a dollar is like a nice thing. And it's also like, well, who doesn't have just a dollar? You know, people give dollars out in the street, you know. So I thought that was uh, I thought that was the right price. Ten cents a song. And that's a good deal. And also, it's just not it's not really about the uh, the money, really. Uh, it's just about the the live shows give you the money, I think. Now, you're going to have like uh, hard copies of CDs. and Yeah, I was just thinking about that. I don't know. I guess so, but then it's like those cost more to make than the dollar, don't they? I don't know. So I don't know if it would make any sense. I'm only on iTunes, man. Yeah. I'm not messing around anymore. Maybe what you do with those things, maybe you do make them and you just say, you know, give me what you want to give me for it. Well, I've seen you. You are a brilliant uh, salesman, uh you know, after shows with uh, Rob, you would literally just rip open 
the plastic covering and shove it in someone's hand and go, who do you want me to make it out to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they would. Well, that's the funnest part of the shows to me is afterwards at the merch table. It's becoming like this, like an infomercial, you know, like a, a, a sham wow type character that morphs into, you know, just gets in people's faces. The real hardcore salesman, almost to the point of, you know, uh, volatile. I mean, you were like guerrilla marketing 101. I mean, people would ask you, is Rob in this video? You go, yeah, yeah, sure. Well, he wouldn't really answer the question. Yeah, yeah. You know, and Rob's then, in it, yeah. Yeah, sure. Who do you want? I mean, he's right <laughs> next to you. <laughs> I, mean, I just I did, just like that as the, it's like a whole game, you know? I mean. But did you feel that was false advertising? Oh, the whole thing was false. I mean, it's probably illegal, too, on, on many levels. But, um. That to me, that's entertainment. That's like you know, you know, kind of like a a jungle type of entertainment. But yeah, we had fun. Oh yeah, I mean, I learned a lot. I mean, it was uh, quite humbling being on the road with you guys for three years and like being the worst comic on the lineup every night. There's only three guys, so. Well, I mean, that's somebody's got to be last. Well, someone's got to be first. Huh? You know, but that's all. That's the thing about you know, it's all subjective. It's why it's like nobody's better than anybody else. Just people get lucky, you know, to get in different positions, you know. Well, yeah, but for me, it was like here I am with these two big TV stars. That's not. It's not, it's not true. It's true though. I mean, he's obviously very, you know, uh, one of the most famous people doing stand up. You're famous, and then there was me. Yeah, but nobody knew I was famous. Yeah, but people recognized you a little bit, maybe, but drunk girl. But you do great on stage. Yeah, most of the time. There weren't too many bombs. Maybe no. one or two. Uh, I mean, you forgot to bring the recorder off stage once. That was in Calgary. But, you know, uh, we hashed <laughs> it out. And then you forgot to go back out and say goodnight to everybody when you were emceeing. Well, that was uh, now for what we're talking about is my first weekend with Rob and Jeff was uh, at uh, where was Comedy Works in Denver. So I was nervous. I mean, the crowds were uh, unlike anything I'd ever seen before. 400 people sold out and. You know, I'm just trying to not to mess up and trying not to swear because, you know, I think Rob likes it pretty clean. And, you know, I probably swear a bit in my act. So uh, everything went well. I, I bring Jeff up and, it, you know, I'm talking with Rob. And then Rob goes on. And I said to Jeff on the very first show, I'm like, hey, uh, I don't go back out there when Rob's done. Right. And he's like, no, no. He just says goodnight. So, uh, you know, Rob does his last joke, a huge applause break. And then. uh Rob kind of opens the door like Lou Ferrigno and, uh, you, you know, uh, he, he, let's just say he politely requested me to go back out there and you know, <laughs> close out the show. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Get the fuck out there. And I'm like, but Rob, uh, Jeff told me. I, he's like, <laughs> When you went out there, I said, I don't know what's wrong with Earl. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if we should keep this guy. It was a real carpet bag. Yeah. And, then, you know. But I didn't actually know. That was a. Oh, no. I actually probably. I don't know. And then I think uh, the second trip, I almost got fired because I was farting so much on the plane. That's right. <laughs> you were uh, unbelievable. I never seen anything like it. That would you say that was the worst uh, gas you'd ever seen? Smell. You know what it was? It was just the consistent rips. I say it's unbelievable that you have that much gas in you. It was, it was almost almost scary. 
Well, what it was was a fear of flying and an uh, incredible amount of protein and bars and powders and vitamins. and Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm nervous. Then I'm nervous about the shows coming up. I want to do well. And then I was just... just. But I love the part where you're like, you're ripping him and ripping him. And then he looks over like, like what's wrong with him? And then, but he's trying to reach up to get to turn, do the air thing, twist the air thing. But he's a little too short. Could he's belted in? He can't really reach it. That's no, funny. <laughs> he's got his napkin above his, you know, mouth and nose, so he can't. Yeah. Like you know, I think at one point it was so the plane smelled so bad, unbelievable, that the stewardess was like, "What? Do you guys smell that?" I'm like, "No." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty bad, but but you know, those you... are the memories. Those are memories. Oh yeah, I mean, like also, I think uh, your insane ability to. Uh, clog most toilets on the road was just yeah i mean you uh were uh vicious well i use a lot of toilet paper it's not the, the actual you know excrement it was the toilet paper i like i like to make it a big like a big uh oven mitt <laughs> okay you know well, what i mean we all have our uh technique. but then you turned me into rob rob came in he's like what the hell is this and then you didn't say that you know well i well that was the night uh we, uh, you know, I had to go use the shower and, um, you know, I had to, there was like a, uh, rice patty, uh, of dookie from the toilet to the shower. So I had to hopscotch all over the place to get to the shower. And Rob walked in right as I was, I was about to leap and he's like, you know, you do, you do a better impression. Well, you go ahead. I don't even know what you're saying. He, he was like, what the fuck is this? And I'm like, oh, well, Jeff clogged another toilet. Yeah, but you didn't have to say another. But, he, I mean, he knew. I yeah, mean, but, you know, but it's just like reminding him that this is like a, a, like I'm a serial toilet clogger. But you were, though. Like, Well, that's true. I mean, in Jackson. I think I had, I think I had five toilets. I think my best memory of you was the night uh, you clogged up the toilet in Jacksonville and the, the, me- the Mexican dude came in to fix it and the toilet was right by the bathtub and you're naked in, taking a bath with a little rubber ducky asking the guy if he wants to come to the show tonight. <laughs> that happened, yeah. It's possible, right? It's 100% possible. And then, you know... But, you know, I just think our schedules... W- the guy come the janitor guy coming in and me taking a bath our schedules sort of intersected well absolutely because i didn't know when he was going to come and fix the toilet yet i know i need to take a bath so to get those are those are obstacles to get ready for the show that's right i like to relax in the bath now do you want to talk about the time uh, i went to get ice Well, you know, it's uh, we shared a room, right? We shared a room, and you know, I was thirsty, and I wanted some ice with my energy drink, so I uh, temporarily left the room. That's to, right. It was to go to the ice maker down the hall, and when I came back, uh, well, yeah, you, you know, you get stressed out on the road. Maybe you're not. Um, I don't know if I had a girlfriend at the time. I'm gonna guess I did. I think you did. I did, but yet, you know, maybe you miss her. Maybe I missed her, or whatever, or. You know, just uh, not having that comfort, you know, you get wound up being on your toes, doing these big gigs. And uh, sometimes you want to release. 
And sometimes that's a form of um, masturbation. And sometimes you're in a room with somebody like yourself. And uh, I'm not going to do it while you're there. So I feel like I had the, uh, an, an opportunity to, you know, rub one out, as they say. So I went into the bathroom and, uh, yeah, you know. But the, what happened was I had walked in, back in from the ice maker and these glasses. I think it, we were in Cincinnati, very nice hotel. But the uh, the bathroom door was kind of a see-through, uh, smoked smoke. Uh, glass type of thing where you could see into the bathroom. You could see shadows and figures, but you couldn't see specifically. Right, and all I saw was a a, a, a figure uh, lying on their stomach. No, lying on their back with a laptop on their stomach, uh, whacking it. And that's when I thought maybe I'm not meant for the road. <laughs> but uh, and then, we, but we lasted uh, up until uh, I think Bellevue, Washington. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, we just... Because uh, that's it. Well, this is it. This is it. And that was it. That was it. But uh, we had a good run. Oh, yeah. And you still hang with Schneider and, and perform uh, talk? Sometimes, yeah. He does that show at the factory. And, you know, he's got a web series coming up. I'm sure he'll be in that. And he's got a vitamin company, I think, coming out. I mean, Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's no joke. He's not just... Uh, actor comic uh producer director he's getting into you know he's very into the buddhist uh you know mind and vitamin connections so yep. uh i don't really talk to him that much anymore but uh you know he's a pretty busy guy so. yeah but uh i owe a lot to you and him so uh you know we're just trying to make it we're just grinding i mean is it, is it making it or is it we're just trying to stay busy we're both trying to get to the... I mean, uh, you're trying to get back to the mountaintop. I'm just trying to get to the mountain. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you've uh, got things going on, you know, trying to... I mean, not many people have been on the shows you've been on. And, uh, you know, you're trying to get back to those uh, to that level, I guess. Uh, I don't know. I mean, is I don't know if it's... Uh, to me, it's just like tackling your fears, you know, a little bit of that. You know, exploring new options... Right, like and the music. Music's fun. The music videos are fun. Just trying to find, you know, fun ways to, uh, you know, um, fun ways to have fun. Let's just say that. Like you had a podcast yourself with the uh, the autistic comic Josh uh, Meyerwitz, which I Matt Ralston, yeah, Matt Ralston, great comic. Yep. Yeah, but I think it's like that thing of like you're saying. There's a billion podcasts. What's going to make yours different? And then people go, well, it's because I'm doing it. And that's like, okay. Um, but what are you doing? Well, I mean, we're Not all... Not you, but I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, just as a, in a general theme. Well, we're all different. You know, that's... Uh, I mean, there's only so much you can talk about on one of these things. You know, you can't like... That's why I want to take phone calls eventually. And, you know, uh, not many... But you don't take phone calls in life. You never answer your phone. Well, I'm not. I'm more of a face-to-face -face person. Sure, but I think it would be fun if, like, you're you, more of a Facebook to Facebook person. Well, I started a new uh, networking site. Ari's helping me build it. Um, it's for white supremacists called Black Facebook. So don't you don't you own Guys on Guys though too? Well, no, but I tell you what. The other day, I took my MacBook into the uh, Apple Store, and uh, this is just a little. A little bit of advice for anyone listening right now that uh, always clear out your catch 
before you bring your computer in because for some reason the guy had to hit the G button and uh, ghettogaggers.com appeared on my browser like 50 times. <laughs> and the guy was black and he like looked at me like, what? I'm like, trust me, go on it. You'll love it. So Ghetto what? Ghettogaggers.com. And, uh, you know, uh, tell me about that. I mean, it's a site where, uh, you know, uh, African-American ladies are <laughs> shown, uh, you know, doing certain things. What and, do you mean? I mean, you know, just uh, taking uh, taking and giving facials, I guess. I don't watch porn, but I just... But you were on there 50 times. I was so uh, enamored with the, the name of the website. I was like, I got to go on here. It's just too much, though. Remember, like, in the old days, you'd wait for the Victoria's Secret catalog to come? Oh, yeah. And then that would be it. Like, you'd pick a page. And now it's like... You can look for anything, any type, and there's so many videos. Is it too much? I mean, I used to jack off to the bra ads in the back of Cosmopolitan. That's right. I mean, literally, it was like a quarter page ad of some girl with huge tits. And, you know, uh, now it's too graphic for me. I like a little left to the imagination. Yeah. I don't want to look at a porn and Blu-ray and high def and 3D with, you know, Lexington Steel pounding this girl for like 20 minutes. I mean, after 20 minutes with Lexington Steel, a girl's vagina looks like the Sarlacc pit Boba Fett fell into. <laughs> but my thing is, too, it's like, I don't like to see dudes. I mean, everybody's got a giant dick. I do. And it just, you like to see giant dicks. No, I'm saying I have one. Yeah, but even what you got, I'm guessing. It's not like what these guys, no. these cannons these guys have. So no matter what you're watching, you feel inferior. Oh, absolutely. You know, and then if you see some of these videos, the guy's got, it's either the biggest dick you've ever seen in your life or the smallest, and it's some weird thing where they're all laughing at him. Like, I don't know what the market is. Who wants to see that? So people think that's like, almost like they're uh, superheroes and people want to be superheroes or something. Well, I mean, I know a lot of people in the uh, agents at the big agencies in town. Their big thing is they love watching black guys have sex with white women. Mm -hmm. I think it's a dominance thing. Like, they get off on, you know, like how they probably get laid by telling some starlet they'll get them in a movie. And then, you know, you know, and then they see like Mandango or, yeah. or Jack Napier just pounding some poor defenseless girl. Yeah. It's very much a... Uh, ego-driven uh, Dwayne Dyer type deal. Right. You know, you like to feel better about yourself. So, but it's too... Uh, now, what about your TV set? I have a 70-inch... Uh, Why is it green? The screen is green. Well, the bulb's burning out. Why don't you fix it? I, I have, but it's just the TV's jacked, so I'm waiting for it to just blow up, and, and then I'll get a new one. Mm -hmm. and, it seems like you need a new one already. Well, I mean, this television is uh, its basically out of date. I mean, it's crazy. Out of date? I don't think it has a date. But, I mean, it's crazy. It's a beautiful Sony high-def television. It's already, like, now they have 3D, and now they have 4D. I mean, you know, it's great to watch uh, UFC on. You know, I have a lot of UFC parties. But there's, you just, you're just used to the green filler, uh, uh, you know, the green screen of it. Uh, well, thing. you only see the green hue if it's like a white, like a hockey game. You know, you kind of see it, you know. Uh, it depends on the background, you know, or if it's really a black, uh, 
you know, like if I'm watching Roots, you can really see the green. How often do you watch Roots? Um, a couple times a month. Okay. You know. Um, if, you wa- if you watch it uh, backwards, it ends better. Okay. Hello. <laughs> That's like if you watch Philadelphia, Tom Hanks gains weight. Yeah, he puts on some weight. Yeah, the lesions disappear. He's healthy as a lamb sure. at the end. Do you ever watch Philadelphia? I've never seen it. Oh. I've never seen the full thing, actually. I like the song, though. Streets of Philadelphia. Yeah, Streets of Philadelphia. Good soundtrack. You know? You like music. You're you're a music fan. Yeah. I like 80s. Well, you like different 80s. I like the gay 80s stuff. And you like the heavy metal stuff, which but is I, also gay, but <laughs> oh, arguably more gay. Well, you recently went to, this probably is the gayest thing I've ever seen anyone do. You went to the Pet Shop Boys with another dude. That's right. And a girl, though. And another dude. So, yeah, a lot of dudes. Three dudes. Sure. Adam, the manager at the comedy store. That's right. And who who was the third dude? His friend. And then who was the chick? Um. Uh, some girl he was sort of seeing, I think, at the time, Adam. But the Pet Shop Boys, they put on a great show. This is great. Great, great energy there. It's fun, fun, fun songs. Yeah, it's great. But people are there for the nostalgia of of living there, like yeah. But it's like you know, just like you would go see you know Metallica or something like that. I don't know. You like Metallica, right? Or They're something. too good for me. I, I like uh, you like like yeah, like Rat or something. Yeah, Rat's a great band. Yeah, I mean, I'm. They're sort of the Pet Shop Boys is sort of like the. Uh, like the Motley Crue, right? Maybe kind of, but gayer. Actually, gay. So yeah, gayer. But uh, but 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 dress wise, you put them next to each other as like a lineup, and you go, which one's, who's gay? You know, you would you probably pick you know, one of the Motley Crue guys. Well, those guys get so much ass that that you know, see, this is an argument I have with people like. You know, it's, it's been uh, like Paul Stanley from Kiss and David Lee Roth. It's been known that they like to maybe mingle with a dude or two. Sure. And people say, well, that means they're gay. But to me, and I want your take on this, mm-hmm. when you sleep with like five, 6,000 women and then you want a sausage, that's not gay. That's boredom. Right? Well, I mean, you're a vegetarian for so long and you just, you know, the curiosity of uh, having a sausage link in your mouth <laughs> is sort of maybe overwhelming. Just in your mouth. <laughs> but then also you got to factor in drug use and really not know what's going on. And maybe maybe they really don't know it's a guy and they just think that's an eight-inch clitoris. But can you, can you ever imagine in your lifetime, you've probably set up with a, you know, a couple of women in your time, having so many women that you look at a guy and go, yeah, why not? I don't think so, no. I mean, thou- I mean if you, if you want to factor in money involved... Maybe bigger career issues, career options. You mean if, a, a, let's say you're in, uh, I don't know, uh, a big movie executive's office and he says, listen, I, I love Drunk Girl. I got the money. I got the sales force to blow enough of this factory so far up your wop ass you'll shit snow for a year. Sorry, that's the line from RoboCop. Okay. I got into it. That was my Kurtwood Smith Felt impression. Felt like you are going off the rails there. Well, that was my Kurtwood Smith impression. Okay. He, he was the bad guy from RoboCop. Let's say you're in an executive's office and he says, I got. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. 
I got the money. This, this is what guys do. These. It's I got, like, would you do this? But it's just, I'm, I'm going to, a scenario. All right. I got the money. I got the connections. I got all the contacts with the A-list writers and line producers and sound guys to make Drunk Girl the movie starring you. You'll make millions of dollars on the back end on points. You just have to, like, blow me. Do you do it? Well, here's the, here's it's why. A, it's a yes or no question. Then we can Here's get, why you don't do it. So, No. The reason you don't do it is, it's like, it's not like you get a receipt after you do that. That you, you know, like, look, I paid for this. This is what I get. It's just the guy saying I can do this. So what's worse, doing that and getting the money and getting that stuff made and living with the guilt of that and the weirdness of that for yourself, or doing that and then having it not even happen? You know, it's like you know, taking somebody out to dinner and nothing happens. You know, I mean, that's just. Uh, it's not, it's not really taking something out there. But, yeah, no. Well, how about this? What? If but, the- but, but. Weird is weirdness. Where do you draw the line on weirdness? So what if the guy just says, listen, I just, I'm going to give you all these things, but I'm just let me masturbate in the same room as you're in. That's where it gets, that's a gray area there. But how about this? What if the same offer's on the table? He says, you don't have to do anything till you get everything I promised you. Well, then you, I could stiff him. Yeah, but that's bad karma. Then they do Drunk Girl the sequel, and it bombs out quicker. But you could argue it's bad karma that he would even put me up to that. It's well, bad karma to him. But he's just trying to make it. I'm just trying to make it. Well, that's what you got to do to make it. Well, are you proposing something to me? No, I don't have the connections. You think if I had the connections, I'd be doing this podcast? <laughs> oh. You think I want to do Drunk Girl the movie? I mean, It's like, possible. Well, I'm not rich. Yeah. It's too, well, I mean. Too late. It's, Maybe you could do, uh, you know, I don't know, chairman of the board, too, with Carrot Top. A lot of unanswered questions at the end of that. Have him call in. We'll see. I don't know his number. Well, let's find someone who has his number. Well, I'm sure he's not too hard to find in Vegas. Have you ever worked with Carrot Top? No. You know Shamatosh, though? Yeah, yeah. She opens for him. I bet. (laughs) I think plenty of people open for Carrot Top. I hear he has a real hyperactive sex drive. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now let's get to the real deal while you're let's here. do that why don't we do that i mean we've already i been, don't even know what you're going to talk about we've already been talking for like 45 minutes time flies there's no way i think we've been on it for about 45 minutes well, ari is this, the most tentative uh producer i've ever seen in my life yeah but that's because he hasn't laughed once and he's been <laughs> on his phone the whole time he doesn't even know he's here i don't even think he knows he's here how long has this podcast been on 39 minutes, close. so we're at Dave Parker's old number, the great Dave Parker, the Cobra for the Pittsburgh Pirates, and this podcast is not going to be as long as others, you know, too many podcasts drag, you know, after like the first hour and a half, you know, people tune out after about the 39 minute mark. That's right. So this is bonus material right now, mm-hmm. you know, don't you think that's smart to do a shorter podcast? <sighs> What's shorter? Are we done? Well, we're, we're, we're wrapping what, it up. We're what they call in the fourth quarter. Okay. Because I want people, you always want the audience to want more. Okay. And I don't want to like, but we could do an hour and a half right now. And we sure. Could, we could really milk it and then, you know, talk about inside jokes that no one's going to get. And, you know, uh, then people are like, this is awful. This should have stopped at 39 minutes. That's right. Right? I mean, you know, I don't know. These things are weird. 
I mean, it, who knows how interesting this is to other people? We can only guess. Yeah, but you're a funny guy. Ari's a funny guy. I'm a relatively funny guy. I mean, I think uh, if you have funny people working together, you, you mine it. I mean, you know. Well, right now we're just talking about podcasts. <laughs> yeah, but that's I mean, people, are, this, people are interested people in People are that. fascinated. I mean, not a lot of people know about the inner workings of one of these things. It's not, Do you think people care about the inner workings? Well, that's what we're going to find out when it's got six views on iTunes. <laughs> I mean, having a podcast right now is like having a show on Spike TV. It's just the good ones are, you know, few and far between. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, I'm just trying to, like, give my take on things and... You know, inappropriate or why do you have so many hair products? Because I like to look it's good. It's unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. Like you couldn't put anything else down on your counter. But I like to look good. Yeah, but you you cut your hair off, by the way, which I think is de- a debatable mistake. But I'm I'm trying to. I mean, you look fine, but well, I did it for commercial work, you know. Yeah, but I think I don't know. Does that? There's not many uh, long-haired. Uh, parts in the commercial world you know you either get the stoner you know thing or you get like the the creepy scientist or you know now i get uh, a lot more callbacks and you do have a superman uh head i do have a big head but it's a superman head well what do you mean by that the angles to it i mean you know this is you know it's chiseled it's uh it's there's bones involved <laughs> I got a bone for you. Bone. <laughs> well, I yeah. What have you always wanted to ask me? Um, let me see. What what do you think uh it takes to make it? I mean, you've made it in the business. That's not true. It but Here's what I think it takes to make it. Because you've made it. That's not true. So, what you have to define making it. But when I And that's why people when they get things that are big, when other people think they've made it and they got this big thing and they, everybody says, "Oh, he's made it. He must feel great." No, because it's not it's not necessarily that it's like it's not necessarily achievements it's like what it is how you grow getting to it and how you grow when it ends and how you grow when you get to the next thing you know i i just think that your mind frame of making it is i think you got to get out of thinking about making it i think you just got to think about just creating and uh you know and facing your fears and you know, there's five things you're fearful of every day, and if you if you avoid all of them, it's a good day for most people. It's like, but that's what are you fearful of? Uh, probably like I auditions. I don't like auditioning, so it's like I kind of avoid that. And uh, I'm gonna try to turn over a new leaf on that. Try to just have more fun with it. Prepare. You know, and throw it away, you know, but I think it's like that whole thing of like the more things you get going, the less, you know, you know, the less you need other things, you know, so so it's like I'll take that if it comes, but you don't need it. It's almost like you have a bunch of money in the bank and it's so you don't need to take certain jobs because or or you want certain jobs, but if they don't happen, it doesn't it's not as big of a deal, you know, I say so I don't know. Um, so I think people would find that fascinating that a someone who's been on TV before, like yourself, and it's not just Saturday Night Live, Mad TV. You've been on like Comedy Central and and you know Comics Unleashed with the great Byron Allen. <laughs> That's a put down. That um, 
I'm still, I think, the only comic in the city who wasn't on that show. But you know, the best part of being on Saturday Night Live was getting Saturday Night Live. Right. You're almost. Dis- and then there are highlights as you do it, and there's ups and downs. But the best I ever felt was when I got it. So it's like getting there is huge, but what you're getting when you get there isn't necessarily. You know, there's a lot of work involved, and there's a lot of stress and politics and problems and all these other things factor into it that everybody goes through. But it's like it's like I remember my mom said, you know, I, when I first got the show, I said, you know, I told her I got the show, and she goes, well, now you got to do it. It's like a you know sort of a daunting idea that you never think like. You just think getting there is is so much of it, and it's, you know, it's uh, it's an immediate goal but it's not the the whole goal is the arc of it i think did you feel that way when you got mad tv yeah you think we what you do is you think you're done and that's not a good that's not a good position to me but you're young and it's the first thing you got that's the first thing i ever got mad tv yeah so you're just like well that's it i'm done i can cruise and you don't have the work ethic you thought movies would come and like well i mean yeah i mean i thought just I don't have to do anything. And it's just, you know, it's, you know, when things come easy to you, I've always had things kind of come easy to me. And so it wasn't until I was like, you know, uh, kicked in the ass. You mean by like leaving those shows? Yeah. You know, uh, when that stuff ends, you're left, you're the same dude and you got to figure out what's next. Just as where you're at. I mean, you got goals, right? Yeah, yeah. You have specific goals. Yeah, right now. But the idea of just making it is impossible. Because what is that? What is it for you to make it? For me, it would be uh, just, you know, like right now I want to get on TV as a stand-up. Not because I think it would make me famous, but because it would just get me better gigs. Right. Okay. So what you really like to do is stand-up. Yeah, that's my true love. Okay. That's why I want to do commercials. And you're doing stand-up. Not as often as I'd like. Because, but you're doing it, yeah, aren't you? It's very... Uh, How often do you do it? Well, I used to do it every night, but then, you know, uh, I couldn't uh, really do open mics and stuff anymore because it's just too discouraging, you know, being in a room full of bitter comics and mm-hmm. jackals. So, uh, but to get on the better shows like the Comedy Juice, which is a big show in LA at, at all the clubs, uh, or, uh, you know, just the better shows with people like you on it, uh, you know, you pretty much have to have TV credits. So it's, but not really. I mean, if you look at yourself as a chick, as a desirable chick, and you're a comedian, you're a hot woman comedian. Thanks, man. <laughs> That's how you have to look at yourself. I'm a hot piece of ass, and I'm going to walk into the improv. And I'm going to wear my hockey jersey, or maybe I won't, but maybe I will. And they're going to see my ass. They're going to specifically see my ass. Okay, I'm lost. I don't even know what I'm talking about. No, but- I get what you're saying. Like, you gave me advice once uh, that actually helped to this day. You said you have to act, you have to sell everything you say on stage like it's the word of God. And, and I, I got what you meant, like... Even if you don't think the joke is that funny, act like it is. Yeah, and it's, yeah. And, you know, Schneider gave me great advice. He said, uh, which is kind of why I'm doing this podcast, hopefully where it goes, is uh, become so good they can't deny you. That's, an, that's true, yeah. 
and you know that that really. But ha- how much of it is wor- is is showing up too? Because you like to work out at a particular time at night when you should be hanging out and I, meeting people. Yeah, you're probably right. Because you go to the store, everyone's left when you get there, and I know part of your thing is you you don't like to see, you know. What's All the me? spots of people going up that you could be going up, and that's hard to see. But, but you don't have to go there. It's like it's almost like that thing. You say thing is like you use the same ingredients, you're gonna get the same cake. You right. keep you keep you know. But it's like if you showed up at the improv more, uh, or with the Laugh Factory when I'm there, and just mill around, mill about, you got such a great look. People are gonna be interested to see what you do on stage. Yeah, you're probably right. Do you know what I mean? Like you set you're set apart. If people want to know who you are, well, I'm a creature of habit, so that's why I just yeah yeah you know, yeah you know which is good and bad. It's good for the workout because I do it every day, and then you know maybe bad that I hang out so much at the comedy store because although it's a very but fun you place, do it because it's easy though, right? It's comfortable. It's just a habit, yeah. And I'm tr- I, everyone loves me there. Yeah, you know I get treated like a. Uh, that's why I did open mics for so long was because I was treated like a god. Like yeah, girls here, put them up. You know, I was given like, uh, you know, the treatment. Yeah. So it's hard for me to go to like, like the real comedy clubs because it's like, who's that jackal? That's not true. That's just what you think. Well, yeah, it's all in my mind. But yeah, it's all in your mind. And besides, how many people get booked on shows that aren't very good? Like we're saying, it's like, plenty. It, you're good, and guess what? Talent doesn't even matter that much, and you're also good. So it's like if you just put in like the showing up thing. The Woody Allen, eighty percent is showing up. Yeah, I'm trying to be better at that, you know. Just, and what about flappers? You don't like flappers? Uh, yeah, it's all right. It doesn't know. seem like it could lead to anything, but um, it's a good place to go up and stay busy. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, you know, that's why the podcast hopefully, you know, builds a little name. Oh, Earl's doing this funny thing. He had Jeff Richards on last week. He had, uh, well, I don't know who's going to be on next week, but I mean, you know, it's, uh, you know, people are flaky. But and, does Jamie know you at the laugh at uh, the improv? Uh, oh yeah he's cool he basically told me hey i love you i think you're great but you know i get eight spots a week to give out to people yeah Yeah, it's true you know but i appreciated that he was honest with me you know that's all i want is just you know you know there's other uh you know people in this business who may jerk you around and you know you know i just want to be given a straight answer you know hey you know if i can get you up i can if not you know don't be bummed out but you know when jamie says there's only eight spots he can give out there's three or four times that amount given by independent bookers so it's like right he's like a percentage of that place you well know? like you gave me my last spot there on the kevin farley show so you know that was a great show it was sold out it was you know galern was on it and you and i think melissa and so it was a fun show to you know i would love to do more shows like that so yeah. I, you know i gotta be a little more i'm not an aggressive person but you don't really have to be aggressive in that sense. I mean, you just have to show up, I think. But, you know, I, I got to talk gotta... about But Maybe your thing, too, is you don't really go like so you don't really, really network. You just you're like, so what's life like for you? And you're talking to people, but you're never like, so, you know, I hear you book a show here. And right. I have to be I'd more really like to do that or I'd MC for you because, you know, what, too, is like I, you're such a good MC, and it's there's such a lack of good MCs that's like. You would, you could really shine in that category, and I think get more spots because a lot of people don't want to MC. I mean, I've always felt I was too dry and sarcastic. Too, uh, you know, like Fraser Smith is a great because he's so like 
schmaltzy and like, hey, baby, where are you from? You know? Yeah. And I'm not, I'm the complete opposite of that. So, uh, but, you know, at this point, I'd do anything. You know, I'd open up for, uh, you know, and. I'd do Battle Cam at this point. <laughs> Battle Cam is another issue. That's another show we did that we got fired from. That's right. Everybody got fired, though. But I mean, I'm back there though, doing that. To get fired from Battle Cam is like uh, getting cut from uh, I don't know the Clippers in the '80s. You know, yeah. it's just kind of like, oh man, really? I mean, that was kind of a shot to the ego. But I didn't like doing it anyway. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, that's why I don't think you take it. You can't take it personally because it's such a subjective thing. And they go, it's uh, well, we don't we don't like him and we don't like her. We like this guy. We like that guy. And it's like, but there's no way of knowing what people really think of you. And their whole thing, too, is it's not how good you are. It's I don't even know what it is because it, it's it's not how good you are. It's not what people think of you. It's there's no way to gauge the numbers of who's watching. It's it's his own personal taste. They're like comedy time. They'll pretty much put up anything. Yeah. I mean, I did some god awful videos for comedy time and they put them up. No hesitation. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, they are just literally, you could take a picture of you with streaming video taking a dump and comedy time would put it up and it would get numbers. Well, yeah, I think so. It's sort of like the adult film industry of comedy. Cause I did, uh, the first video I did for them got like 4 million hits. It was just me interviewing this girl with grotesquely huge boobs. And so they thought I was a star. And so they, I would go to the porn start karaoke and interview these whores and I, I would say i averaged a million hits on youtube and then they said well, why don't you do stand-up maybe all these people watch your stand-up and my stand-up clips on comedy time literally got like 800 views well you should have done stand-up with the girls sitting there standing there yeah but i i was uh into the art i was into the art of course you know i i, I write a lot and you know, I, I didn't want to use gimmicks. And then, uh, you know, I mean, the hockey jersey thing was a bit of a gimmick, but, you know. You know but that's you, too. I mean, you're a hockey guy. and But when Barry Katz told me you can't wear jerseys on stage because of logos, it kind of like ruined. Make your own jersey. Well, I didn't think that far into it. I got so discouraged. And I bombed horribly that, uh, you know, that was my first TV uh, gig. It was my only TV gig was doing a pilot for Barry Katz and. You know, it was called One Night Stand. What about your own special, your own independent special? Well, I'd like to, uh, you know, I've got the material, but I just, you know, I'd like to uh, build up a bit more of a fan base before I, uh, you know, it's like you are famous enough where you can sell merchandise. Like people would want a Jeff Richards t-shirt with a funny logo or whatever. Me, I don't think they would be like, why would I, you know, that's at least how I think about it. Why would anyone buy a t-shirt of mine? They don't even know who I am. Yeah, but... They will, and you're going to sell them eventually, so why not make them now and sell them as you go along and build some buzz on your own ha behalf? Well, I'm going to talk to Ari on that. He's going to be my uh, you, you know, idea man. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, it seems like the guys that look at Redman, you know, I mean, he had some, some push from Rogan and stuff, uh, but he created a whole thing out of it, you know, sells shirts and... I have to be more like know. Dean Del Rey. I mean, that dude has been doing, you know, amazing things in such a short amount of time. I, I have to be more like him. He's, he's very aggressive and like, you know, uh, I remember once I was on a show in San Diego that wasn't very well promoted 
and he called me up and said, hey, can I do the show with you? I'm like, how did you even know? Like, I, he's very incredibly hard worker, and yeah. uh, he, he just, uh, you know, I admire. And I think you don't, it's not like you hate on that, you learn from it. Oh, no, I mean, most people right? would hate on him. They're like, this guy's been doing comedy only five years, and he's leapfrogging over me. I actually found motivation from him. Yeah. So, you know, I, I have a weird uh, admiration uh, level on it. You know, like, I admire Fabio. Like, most people would be like, why would you admire him? Here's a dude who's a romance model man, cover man, in a business where, you know, you're dead by your 25 because you're, you're too old looking. And he's in his 50s, still gets work. Yeah. And, you know, I, I would say he's probably not the most uh, talented actor. He still gets acting work. But it's sort of like the thing, the thing too, is that you ingratiate yourself to an audience, and then you now have an audience. Like... Just like you, you, you're the you know king of the open mics. You know, you walk in there, and you're the king. Why are you the king? People love you. For some reason, people love you, and uh, you know, you just have to capitalize on that with uh, t-shirt sales. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like uh, now my thing is being the late night heckler. You know, king of the zing. Yeah. You know, much like when you walk into the room late night at the comedy store and and Don Barris plays with you and just do the Louis Anderson thing, do, uh, you know, your other great impressions and it gets the room going, you know, that's, uh, you know, I'm like, if people could see that, right. Like if that could be a show, like, like if, if it was an arena around that, that would be like a famous, it would be like a popular thing. It could almost be like a, a visual podcast. Like, you know how Don uh, is the master at uh, radio. But it's almost like you got to be there. You know what I mean? Like you have to be there to feel the weirdness, the silence of of it. You know, it's like the abyss. It's like a, it's just like a. It's just a. You can't describe what it's like because it's not like any of the other clubs at that hour. It's like the bar in Star it's a Wars freak show. I mean, it literally is like the bar in Star Wars where. Every unsavory character on the Sunset Strip ends up at the comedy store. Yeah, like I'm saying, it's like it is like a dive bar, right? In that you know, uh, the rules are bent. The rules are obliterated. There are no rules. Yeah, I mean, people are having sex in the the main room while the show's going on. Yet, and- if somebody swept in and became new management there and said, "You know what? Everything stops." It would be you'd feel it. It'd be, it would do. It's like a lot of people hate that place, but if it went away, it would be a void in a lot of people's lives. I mean, a, a big void. Oh yeah, I mean it's because li- it's a place you can go to that you just you know. Uh, it's so it's the fun. Last, it's the last place you go to, but it's the first place you think of, I guess. It's like the last few nights David Arquette has been up there, and he's. I think he's trying to get into stand up and course we're all fans because he was you know obviously he's very successful actor from a very successful family of actors a lot of people don't know this but uh david arquette's little brother who's now his sister uh, you know they had a uh what he uh think i'm not sure if they had a full-on uh sex change but uh like the little brother the little brother was in the tubes video she's a beauty he was the little kid who went in and looked at the girl the mermaid oh really uh you know, it's very and obviously the the Toto song Rosanna was yeah. written about his sister. Oh, really? 
because the uh, I think Jeff Picaro from Toto was dating her and you know Patricia Arquette's in Boardwalk Empire. I mean, it's a probably the most successful working family in the business. He's been up there hanging out, and uh, all all the comics are fans of his because we're wrestling fans, and he was at one point the WCW champion. So he goes up there and messes with the crowd, and you don't get that at the Improv or Laugh Factory. That's right. But, well, listen, man, I'm sensing there's enough <laughs> there's enough things to talk about where we could go on for part two, but, you know, like I said, I don't want to drag on too long. No. You, you cut this down to, what, 10 minutes or something? Yeah, we're going to cut this down to the two-minute podcast. You know, we know cool. we know what we're doing at the Skakel House with Ari Manis in charge. So, do you have anything uh, you you want to plug? No. Other than, When's it air? Uh, well, well, we're gonna work on that. Probably in a week or two, two weeks maybe. Uh, two th- weeks. Why does it take two weeks? Because we got to get set up on iTunes, and you know we're not really set up. We're what we're. He can't. He can't hear you. Yeah, what we're doing is um. Ten two weeks would be what? That would be uh what April. The podcast last week, this might be the first podcast, you know. Oh, uh, this is exciting. Breaking news from uh, Skakel Sound Studios on Larrabee. Um, By the way, I live right next door to the old Larrabee Sound Studios, which is now a gay nightclub. You get there's an energy from that. But, well, there is because some of the greatest albums from the 80s were filmed on the, or uh, recorded on the street. They used to film the albums. (laughs) Nobody knows that. Prince's Purple Rain. That's right. Done on the street. Ozzy's Ultimate Sin, Bark at the Moon, um, and many, many other. Uh, there's a lot of history. Still going, the Larrabee Sound Studios? No, now it's a gay nightclub called Eleven. Okay. Well, that's nice. And, uh, you know, so there we go. But Jeff Richards. It's, Thanks for having me. I've been humbled and honored to have you. You're a successful actor, a musician. Uh, you can see Jeff at the Laugh Factory Comedy Store Improv. He tours all over the country. I think he still opens up a little bit with Chris Kattan. Not so much, but I'm doing some shows at tastyjeff.com. You can see the I got some shows over the next few months. And you're on out tw- of town. Twitter at Twitter at, 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 at the Jeff Richards. At the Jeff Richards. At the Jeff Richards. You, you you know, if you see Rob Schneider in town, Jeff might be with him. I might be with him. And uh this is episode number two of Inappropriate Earl. Tune in and review us on iTunes when we're on it. That is all. Suck it.